Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, a slightly tired host, Harrison Matakos. Um yes, it was a lovely Monday afternoon, 333, the 11th of September. Um yeah, so it's a glorious, it's a glorious Monday afternoon in Melbourne. The weather over the weekend was dog shit. And it's holding up today from what it looks like outside for a bit, and it was quite nice. The hay fever, not great. Not great. That's continuing. No amount of Zyrtec can really get through it all. But um, we move. We move because we don't, we, don't, we don't postpone episodes. We don't stop doing episodes. We're here every week, as, as I have been for... I've been here every week that I'm scheduled to be here for close on 18 months. More than 18 months. About 20 months. So... um. There you go. What, what more can you ask? No, 19 months it'd be. Just, just over 19 months. So there you go. But I hope everyone's well. I hope everyone's well. I hope the weekend treated everyone nicely. Um, I had a great weekend, if, um, if anyone cares. Um, my my football team, Carlton, threw to a semi-final, which is great. Um, the first final I can remember watching that we won, which is awesome. As in being there at the ground, which is awesome. Um, indulged both Friday and Saturday night. Got very little sleep. And had to do an assignment very hungover and tired on Sunday, which I got through. I wouldn't say I did it. I, I well, I completed it. I wouldn't say I did it well or I did it in a way that is that is acceptable. But I I completed it. I handed it in, and I should pass, which is all that matters. Um, but yeah, that that was my weekend, and I'm still. I, th- I think I'm still recovering. Um, it just yeah. I, if the eyes are a bit bit baggy and the voice is a bit croaky and all this good stuff, it's because I'm I'm still recovering. But we're here nonetheless, and it's just a shame that we had an international break. Um, so there's not really a whole lot of there's not really a whole lot to speak about. But before we get to that, I hope everyone's well as always. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Two Foot Attack Podcast. Make sure you. Uh, yeah, subscribe to Two Foot Attack Podcast, like the podcast, notification bell, all that good stuff. Um, all the socials as well, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, Two Foot Attack Podcast. All the social, yeah, all the socials, all the audio platforms, I should say, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor. Um, yeah, if you could follow those, give those a five-star rating, that would mean more than the world. And then, yeah, there's a link tray link in the, both the bio of YouTube. No, in both the bio of Twitter and Instagram for all your two footer tackle podcasting needs. That's what I wanted to say. So, yeah, let's crack on. Um, let's crack on with, with today's episode. Yeah, not a lot to speak about because it was international break. I thought there might have been a few more storylines coming out of the coming out of the of the footballing realm, but not really. A bit of a quiet weekend. So this podcast might be shorter than usual. But um I wanna kick I wanna kick things off. And just, I just want to speak about international football just generally because every time the international break comes around, it's, oh, who cares about England versus Latvia away? Or who cares about Georgia versus Spain? Or who cares about Germany versus fucking Lithuania? Or shit like that, right? Um, and it's always club football is better than international football. International football is boring, etc., etc. Right? Which there's a, there's a sentiment to that. There's a sentiment to that in which I partly agree with. Um, on average, international football can be quite boring, can be quite monotonous, and can be quite oh, just get through it type thing. However, it can also be really, really entertaining, and it builds. I think I think international football is a process. 
it's a process. It, you 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 build up to it. Like you you really do build up to it. You, it's it's like you build up three years till a tournament. Every every three years or every four years, there's a tournament. But it's built up for for the it's built up through the through the previous three years. And I feel like those storylines and that whole narrative can't be underestimated in terms of how much it means to a lot of people and how much impact it has and how much and just how much influence it has i also feel like it's a little bit of a i don't want to take a shot at like england and spain and germany and all this stuff but i feel like it's a actually i wouldn't even say it's a big country mindset i genuinely think it's almost exclusively an english mindset when it comes to international football I think international football is the purest form of football there is because it takes away most of the time it takes away all the politics all the all the kind of transfer negotiations it takes away all this whole all this external stuff that plagues football and that is that runs football essentially the business side of things and it's purely down to your country the people that have grown up and that represent your country versus another country in the purest sport in the world. I think it's great. I think it's, I think, I think international football, I would actually go as far as say it's underrated. Um, it, it, when it comes, when it, like in the grand scheme of things, right? There's obviously, there are, there's, there's obviously caveats to that. And I do agree, like when, when England, when it's an international break, the Premier League has just started. I think, yeah, I, I, I think the, there's a lot of, the the anger around international football is almost exclusively because there's it's the international breaks exist like yeah we're we're three we're four weeks five weeks into the Premier League season can we not just keep can we not just keep the momentum going like like the Premier League was like really kicking off like there was a couple of good storylines like um, obviously City's good start Arsenal how how are they going to respond. Um, you how are United going to respond off off the back of last year? Liverpool, how how's their new midfield going to go? Chelsea, can they get things going? Can Brighton start to kick into gear? Can Newcastle, etc. Right. So there's a lot of there was a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of good storylines around the Premier League that have been halted because of this international break, and it's an international break that is arguably the most monotonous international break because it's not World Cup qualifiers. So it's not the pinnacle. And even though and it was the European Championship qualifiers and also friendlies, which are awful. But the, the European Championship qualifiers were in the stage of it's not the start of the qualifiers. So it's not you don't get that buzz and that excitement of here we go, qualification campaigns kicked off. Let's 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 go into it type thing. But it's also not the end of it where it's like, oh if Spain lose and Scotland win, Spain can be knocked out or whatever, right? It's those three it's it's those four games smack bang in the middle of the qualification campaign that no one really cares about because if you're a big nation, you should win those games and you should qualify. If you're a small nation, yeah, it's it means a lot, but more often than not, it doesn't really fall your way. And then and then you get to the friendlies. Like Australia played a friendly against Mexico, which I'll cover briefly. Um I'm gonna spoil it right now. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I was it was on Saturday morning, I think it was, or Sunday morning, and I was extremely hungover, so I didn't watch it. Um But yeah, it was yeah, I think this this international break has come at a bad time, which has caught which has fueled the fire of all the what's better international football club football. I think looking at it from a holistic perspective, I understand why a lot of people are so connected and us and are so passionate about club football, especially in countries where club football is far more 
local. Like in Australia, it's very much city-based and there are very few cities in Australia, whereas in England and in other countries, it's basically towns and it's almost essentially villages who represent you. So it's far more localized and I understand the passion behind that. But in the same vein, it's also your country. Like it's your people. It is it is you. Like that you're being represented by your national team. And I think the World Cup in particular, and even the Euros and even the Asian Cup for, for Australians and obviously other Asian countries, it, it provides this just passion, like this pure passion. Like I've never felt so emotionally invested for a sport than than I have at World Cups. At the 18 World Cup, at the few, at the 2015 Asian, Asian, Asian Cup, I should say, um, even the Matildas not long ago, and, and obviously the soccer is in Qatar in November and December, uh, I've never felt as emotionally invested. Like, I've seen Melbourne Victory win championships. I've seen them win FFA Cups. Um, I've seen them play in the Asian Champions League. I've seen Chelsea win Champions League, seen Chelsea win FA Cups, and seen them win Premier Leagues and League Cups and everything. But I never feel as emotionally invested in a sport as when I do when my when my nation is playing. Um, maybe that's a personal thing. Maybe that's also because of I love the underdog stories in football and in sport, and because Australia naturally ha- are, aren't a powerhouse on the footballing stage, every match means a lot. Every single game is like do or die, especially when it comes to tournaments. It's like you can't Australia can't play a boring game. It, like post the second round of qualifiers for any tournament. Like we can't play a boring game because it's always like. It's always, yeah, we're reversing China, but we're reversing China away, and China away are tough, or we're going, to, we're going to Iraq, but we have to go to the Middle East, and Australia don't travel well to the Middle East, or we verse Iran, Iran are really good, or we verse Japan, Japan are really good, South Korea, um, Saudi Arabia, all these, all these countries, right? Um, so yeah, there's, you're always emotionally invested, and you're always like, you're all, there's always a dog in the fight, in a sense, um, when it comes to, there's always, you're always a, yeah, you've always got a dog in the fight in a sense when it comes to this whole when it comes to international football, especially being from Australia, um, and obviously me being me being Greek as well, me having Greek ancestry, I, I do very, kept very close eye on the Greek on the Greek national team as well. Um, hopefully, hopefully they qualify and I can go to Germany next year and, and follow the boys around. Um, they got they went one on one in this qualification campaign for um they went. They went one, yeah. They went one on one in this qualification, kind of in this group of fixtures, um, which puts them in an okay position. Need to upset France or Netherlands um, in the next group, but they should in the next kind of block of fixtures. But they, if if they can do what they need to do, they could sneak a second place automatic qualification. But Greece already have the um, playoff chance because they won their Nations League group, which is great. Anyway, I'm digressing. But yeah, may, may, maybe the whole me preferring international football is because of is because of the whole backs against the wall, underdog team, every single game is competitive, every single game is a fight. Whereas if I was English or if I was Spanish and we versed and we versed Latvia and Lithuania and Georgia and Liechtenstein and San Marino and all these countries, right, which is like you should win comfortably, your rotating players... And you're rotating players, you're rotating systems, and it's far more of a, it's far more of a step to get to the World Cup rather than an experience itself. Um, is quite, I think it's quite one. It's like one of those things, yeah, where it's like, it's it's it'd be far different. Like, also considering the history of Australia in particular, like obviously what Australia went through post the seventy four or seventy four World Cup or seventy World Cup. 
Um, obviously, with the what was it six or seven or eight failed qualifications in a row, or whatever stupidness that was. Um, obviously, following Aloysius, and then once you had Aloysius in in '06, we had we qualified automatically for ten. Uh, fourteen was Josh Kennedy against Oman, I think it was, um, at City Football Stadium. 18 was... 18? What was 18? Oh, 18 was the... It was a 3-2 win against Syria. That uh, that was... That was mental. That was mental. And then, obviously... And then, Redmayne in Qatar, which was, like, insane as well. Australia don't... We, we, we really, like, don't... We really keep our fans emotionally invested in every single game. Maybe that's why I like the international football so much because whenever I think of international football, I think of Australia versus Oman away from home. We need to win and we already we're one nil down for some reason, right? And it's always this it's always dramatic. It's always really painful and really hard. Like obviously Alois is an F five, like I said, and Josh Kennedy's goal to qualify for fourteen and then the th- the the two-legged tie against Syria in 2017 to go to the 18 World Cup and then Redmayne in in fucking June of last year to, to qualify for Qatar. Like, it's just always, always dramatic, whereas English people, probably barring Beckham's free kick um, against Greece, it's very much win your 10 qualification games, get a goal difference of plus 60 and just go. Like, it's not really a journey. It's kind of just you're there and it's just pointless games. Whereas for Australians, it's like, oh, every single game matters because we aren't that good in the grand scheme of things, firstly. And even in Asia, we're not the best team in Asia. Like, we struggle to qualify um, in the old World Cup system. In the new one, we should be okay. But but also, it's like this country just does everything so painful. <laughs> like, we can never do anything simple. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I like international football. But yeah, it is one of those things. It's about, it's about, it's about like a community aspect as well, I guess, right? And, and and like I said, at the end of the day, it's like, it's what you identify with the most, like I said, with the identification thing and, and how you feel represented. If you feel represented more by your club, then great. I understand why you would care more about club football in that respect. But if, like me, I feel more represented by my country, I think I do. Yeah, especially, especially with... Like, I can never, I would never feel, and and once again, maybe it's because Australia is just this stupid football anomaly that, and, and our story won't and hasn't been and probably will never be replicated in terms of our narrative around football in this country and probably my stance on it and how passionate I am about it probably lends myself to being more passionate about, about the Socceroos more than anything, right? But I've never seen a country more united like with the Matildas, not like a couple of weeks back, like the, the the whole country was just fucked. Like the whole country was insane, and that's the, they're the scenes that I love. Um, and even even with the Socceroos, right? And like Fed Square in in Melbourne being packed out at six a.m. to watch Australia versus Argentina, or or like staying up to two a.m. to watch fucking Australia beat Denmark and stuff. Like, like no. Yeah, no other sport can do that. So maybe that's why international football means more to me. It'll be interesting to see the pure perspective from from people from bigger countries or from people who, bigger countries. I mean, literally bigger countries in terms of population, but also in terms of like football acumen. Um, I know obviously there's political factors around England and why some people don't support the English national team because the whole 
Um, I know obviously Scouse people say they're Scouse, not English, because of the government and the Tories and all that stuff and um, other football-related things, which is fair enough, I guess, right? And that's probably why that's probably why club football is held in such high acumen there in comparison to here because of the, the, the representation. I feel like the representation from fans to their club, or sorry, yeah, the... I feel like in Australia, the Socceroos represent the common person a lot more than what clubs do. Whereas in countries like England, their club that fans support represents them more than the national team. I feel like that's probably a consensus. Obviously, there's anomalies and there's exceptions to every rule, but I feel like that's more often than not the case. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because of the history of the clubs in other countries in comparison to Australia. Maybe it's because of political factors or social factors or whatever, right? But I feel like that's how it is. And would I swap it? Maybe. I also like how passionate fans are about the Socceroos. Um, but also I would love it if they were as passionate about the A-League, which is the next step, I think. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. One of those things. And I think it's one of those like, we just have to wait and see how it develops, type thing. And um, there's always going to be there's always going to be a next step. If that, like there's always going to be a development. So maybe I sit here in six months' time and everyone's off the Socceroos and everyone's on their local A League team or MPL team. Um, I guess that's the next step with with everything. Um, yeah. So I guess it's just one of those things. Hey, I guess it's just one of those things. Maybe maybe this is a good talking point that I haven't. That maybe could, yeah. You know what? I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to speak about it now. I've just, I've just remembered. Um, I've just remembered that this has been reported by by someone, by someone quite respectable. I'm not going to say really respectable, but I'm going to say if the tweet, if the tweet has been deleted, I will not speak about it. If it has been, if it's still up, I will speak about it. Um, yes. Okay. So. Should I speak? Okay, I'll finish on the international football, and then I'll touch on this. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move back to Australian football for those who don't want to listen to that. But there you go. Unfortunately, I will do that. Um, yeah. So what else are we gonna speak about? Um, yeah. Oh yeah, the Socceroos played. I forgot about that. Yeah. So the Socceroos played Mexico. Um, Socceroos played Mexico. In a friendly over over what what day was it? It was yesterday morning. It was Sunday morning, and I was not in a good way, so I didn't watch it. Um, but it was a two-all draw, and by all accounts, Australia played fine. Um, the goals, what one came from Suter and one came from a pen. The two goals that we conceded were a bit annoying from both both perspectives. I feel like we could have, could have done far better than what we did, um, but. Yeah, the lineup we had we went with Ryan in goal, Atkinson at right back, Kai Rouse at left back. Not too keen on that. Hope we don't progress with that in the future. Um, Burgess and Suter in the middle, McGray on the left, Irvine on the right, um, Bacchus. No, McGray on the left, Irvine and Bacchus in the middle, with Boyle on the right, Metcalf floating off Mitch Duke up front. Um, who came on as subs? So we had Degener comes on as a sub, Aiden O'Neill comes on as a sub. Um, Sammy Silvera came on as a sub, which was good. Dennis Genro, Nick D'Agostino, and is that it? I think that is it. Yeah, it is. That's it. So, 
We had five players come off the bench as subs. Uh, by all accounts, the subs just played five. Silvera didn't impact in the way that he would have liked, which is disappointing because I thought he would play quite well, which is a shame. Daggers came on. Genero came on, which is good as well. I didn't think that he would get many minutes, but I'm happy that he has, that he will start to get minutes. As I don't know if that's been picked up on the mic, but it seemed like a fighter jet had just took off outside. It wasn't, but it sounded like it. Um, yeah, Genero is one of those players where if he can just start to get some consistent football, he struggled with injury quite a lot, and that's probably why he didn't go to the World Cup. Um, they struggled with form. It wasn't really playing for Toulouse. Toulouse? Um, it's Toulouse, isn't it? Yeah. So if he can start to get some more consistent games and can really get his body right, I feel like he'll be very handy in the future, playing as that kind of pseudo, like pseudo 10 slash number 8 slash box-to-box midfielder. He's quite he's quite a versatile midfielder, can do quite a lot. Can play definitely play in a double pivot as well, which helps. Could probably play as a, as a more advanced midfielder should we need him in that kind of... In that what was Metcalf role slash McGree role slash whoever we want to put there. As there's dogs barking outside. 100% being picked up on the mic as well. Uh, that's quite annoying. But we move, we move. Um, yeah, I don't know. By, by all accounts, we played fine. By all accounts, we just did what we, did what we needed to do in terms of just kind of playing, no real injuries coming out of the game, which is good. We were able to get some kind of a tryout with different things. Obviously, Rouse at left back, whether or not that's going to work. Burgess at, at, at centre-half, um, whether or not that's going to work. Um, yeah, we're with McGraw on the left. Irvine, I think, is a, is now a lock in terms of, I think he plays every single competitive game when he's fit. Um, I think he's I think he's so good. I think he's really, really good. Backers could see him get um, him get some quality minutes. Shame Devlin didn't make an appearance. Um, shame, yeah, shame Devlin didn't make an appearance, which I thought I thought he might have or he could have because he caught caught up to the World Cup and he got caught, he got caught up to the World Cup and I was really looking forward to seeing him play. I don't think he played a minute. Well, he might have played it in the opening game against France, but I think he's really good. I think Devlin's good. I think Devlin has a lot a lot to kind of. Look a lot to look forward to in terms of his in his career because I think he's a very solid defensive midfielder, very much a modern day defensive midfielder as well. Um, can can push forward in terms of like can be progressive but can also be very solid and stringent in defence. As these dogs are not shutting up. It's a very deep bark, and I don't I don't know where that's coming from. Anyways. We fight through. We power through. Um, yeah, I like Devlin. Shame we didn't get him enough minutes, and we don't play again till the England game in, what, October? Yeah, in October. And then we've got the Asian Cup. So, fingers crossed for the Asian Cup, we could do something. I mean, I'll preview that in more detail when it, when it comes to it, and I'll do probably more consistent podcasts throughout that, probably after every soccer is game, I'd say. Um, because we're a big chance of winning that, and we probably should go into that tournament at least expecting a semi-final appearance, considering what we were the third best Asian team in the World Cup. So, with the third best Asian team in the World Cup, logic dictates right that we should be in the final four at a, at a minimum. Um, then whatever happens from there, what happens from there. But yeah, no, Australia versus Mexico, two all. Went two 0 up, which is good. Choked that lead, which is disappointing. But we went two 0 up against Mexico, which I don't think we can complain all too much about. Um, what I do want to speak about though is synthetic pitches. Um, Arnie is obviously the ground that Australia played on. Um, the ground that Australia played on against in the game against Mexico was synthetic pitch. Now it was like half synthetic, half real pitch. Now Graham Arnold has come out and said that the boys aren't used to it, and some of them were really sore coming out of that game. I 
I I despise synthetic pitches, both playing on them. I, I there's nothing worse in my opinion than playing on a synthetic pitch, and also watching football on a synthetic pitch does not it it's not right. Like there's something not right. I get it. Far more easy to maintain, and for local clubs and for small clubs, I get it because you can rent out you can rent out the facilities because the pitch takes nothing to maintain. Um, it's weatherproof. It's all that good stuff, right? But for pure enjoyment in both playing and watching, not a fan. Not a fan of synthetic pitches, especially at the elite level. I think surely you guys can afford some not bad grass, right? It can't be it can't be that it can't be that hard to to make a surface that doesn't injure players purely on walking on them. Because synthetic pitches are hard. They're really, really tough. And especially for older players who who have gone through injuries and have gone through issues. Um, the the pain on the joints is is stupid. So, yeah, I hate synthetic pitches. I really hope that's the last time I'll have to see Australia play on a synthetic pitch because surely we're past that now. Surely we're past that now. There was like a stage, like I reckon five or five, ten years ago, where synthetic pitches were the new in because it was like easy to maintain, doesn't get doesn't get muddy, weatherproof all this good stuff, and then you realize that you it's like running on concrete. You can't slide tackle because you'll cut your legs up, and it's just terrible on the joints. Your ankles and your knees, and your feet burn as well after it. I don't know how your feet start burning, but they do. Just just terrible. Maybe I've played on just horrible synthetic pitches. Maybe that's where it is, but I yeah, hate it. So if we can avoid synthetic pitches, that'd be grouse. Um, but yeah. That's all I want to speak about from that game because I didn't really watch it. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I did watch it. Could have probably gone back and watched it. Really hung over yesterday and I've woken up tired again today. So it's taken me a couple of days to recover from that from that weekend. But it is what it is. Um, what else do I want to speak about? Oh, yeah. Let's just go through like the whole Euro qualification kind of draw and fixture list. Um, England played. Have they, are they going to play again or they already played? Um, they... Here we go. They will play... They've already played again. They've played twice or once? Oh, no, they only played once. Um, they only played once. They beat... They drew to Ukraine. But, yeah. Let's go back to the start. Any other inter- any interesting results? Denmark beat San Marino 4-0. Netherlands beat Greece 3-0. That was unfortunate. If Greece could have gotten a point from that game, that would have been really good. But it's okay. But it's okay. Because Greece uh, currently sit equal of second with Netherlands. Netherlands have a game in hand, but Greece have three wins, two losses, and a five-goal difference. From f- And Netherlands have three wins and one loss with a three-goal difference. So both teams are on nine points. And Greece have Ireland and Netherlands and France. Ireland away, and they host the two big dogs at home. If Greece beat Ireland, it's on for young and old. Greece could really easily qualify automatically and send send the Netherlands to the playoffs. That, that Netherlands game at home is going to be really spicy. That's going to be huge. But anyway, it's all right. Not over yet for, for Greece. Not over yet. Netherlands probably have Georgia to play, don't they? Oh, they have. Oh, they played Gibraltar in the last game. That's fucked. Um, that's really annoying. Um, so yeah, there was that. Obviously, can I... Yeah, can we go to Scotland, by the way? Scotland, top of their group, 15 or 15 points from 15 available, a plus 11 goal difference. The only goal that they conceded was in the game against Norway, which was a penalty. They haven't conceded from open play throughout the whole qualification campaign. Beat Spain 2-0. They've gone. They've beat Norway. Granted, they still have to play um, 
Spain and Spain and Norway again, which are their two harder games. But they're doing what they need to do. They beat Cyprus 3-0. Scotland, mate. Scotland, they're looking good. They are looking good. Granted, they've got they've got well, two games ahead of ahead of Spain who are in second. But still, uh, Scotland are looking good, so good on them. Uh, we love Scotland. I, I, I really like all the UK teams. Maybe it's this inherent... I don't know what it is. Um, but I, I, I always I always look out for like Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland and Ireland yeah, at, at international tournaments. Maybe it's because of the, the media I consume. I'd probably say it's down to that. Um, but yeah, that's good. Good for Scotland. Portugal beat Slovakia 1-0. What did they line up with? Um, so Ronaldo up top, Patinho on the right, Rafael Liao, Palinha, Silva, Bruno. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Relatively standard back four. They, they're on a roll. 15 points for 15 games plus 15 goal differences, zero goals conceded. So they're well and truly on their way. Um, England drew to Ukraine, 1-0, 1-all. Yeah, this is something I want to speak about. Now, this is something I want to speak about. I am... I am a I'm a staunch Southgate defender, right? I, I really like Gareth Southgate. I think he is the man for England at the current stage, right? And I don't think he should have been sacked after their World Cup performance. I think it was a perfectly fine performance for the whole tournament. They just got knocked out by a better team, right? And a team that probably should have won the World Cup, right? So there's that. However, how he's still persisting with a 33-year-old Jordan Henderson in that midfield when they've got the when on the bench they have the likes of like like I can't believe it. On the on the bench they've got the likes of Eze, Calvin Phillips, Connor Gallagher, Phil Foden on the bench, really talented and really and, and really energetic players who can come in and create a completely different dynamic for England. How he's still persisting with Jordan Henderson, I don't know. Declan Rice is well and truly experience enough and good enough to be that on-pitch enforcer and be that on-pitch leader that Jordan Henderson was a couple of years ago. He is now not he's now not needed in that England midfield anymore. He's now very dispendable, and I don't see England doing anything meaningful in both the Euros or the World Cup if Jordan Henderson continues to start. Whether or not that's in a back three or a back four, he cannot play. I think you can maybe get away with it in a midfield three, like they played on the weekend. But if they move to a back five and play with a double pivot, there is no way Jordan Henderson can play. That midfield from here on in should be Bellingham, Rice, Foden. That is England's best midfield. I don't, I don't know how Southgate isn't seeing that, to be honest, because it's blindingly obvious to me. And I feel like when you're looking at a total team balance... That midfield of Rice and Bellingham, you have Rice can sit, Bellingham can be that box-to-box, and you have Foden breaking into that final third and playing as that true number eight. You don't need Jordan Henderson there. And and Trent isn't even playing that right back, so you can't even use that kind of partnership as an excuse. He's not he's not up to it anymore. I, I like Henderson, and I have, but he's not up to it anymore. It's it, Yeah, I just don't see... I don't see how he can still... Um, how he can still play, to be honest, in that in that team. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I guess we'll just have to see what Southgate prefers and see whether or not um, th- that move to Saudi hampers him in any way. Um, yeah, I guess, we'll just, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that develops. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that develops. But yeah, England drew to Ukraine, won all. That puts... It doesn't really put England in too much, in too much kind of 
pressure their their four wins and one draw from their Europe qualification campaigns. A draw away at Ukraine is actually not a bad result. Ukraine is a very, very tough place to go to. Um, and yeah, they've got, still got Italy in their group and Italy have Italy are one, one and one. They lost to lost to England. They drew to North Macedonia, which is um, interesting. But um, yeah, Italy should probably win their next game, and they are playing on Wednesday. So they they will play against Ukraine. If Italy win, they go second, and they will be on their way. You would think to a relatively simple progression. Um, yeah, anything else that have that's happened? Netherlands beat Ireland, which is good. Serbia beat Lithuania, and then obviously games play from here on in. So let's look at the tables. Let's look at the tables for the European Championship qualifiers. Group A, Scotland, Spain, 1-2, and then Norway, Georgia, Cyprus. I think that will end in that... I think that will end like that. Maybe Spain leapfrog Scotland, but I don't see Norway getting through automatically at this day. Scotland is just performing too good. France, Netherlands, Greece, Ireland, Gibraltar fill out Group B. My brain says France, Netherlands, but my heart says France, Greece, because that would be seen be scenes um i really want ireland shame ireland aren't performing because I, I like ireland but yeah group c england ukraine iran north macedonia malta i think italy will eventually leapfrog ukraine and you'll finish england one italy two in that green group c um group d turkey um croatia armenia wales and latvia turkey are performing quite well croatia maybe underperforming ever so slightly i say that they did beat they did beat latvia five nil um, recently, Wales probably underperforming. I reckon. I reckon Croatia will leapfrog Turkey. Will leapfrog Turkey, but will um, but will finish. To- uh, Turkey will still qualify. So it'll be Croatia one, Turkey two, um, Albania, Czech Republic, Moldova, Poland, Faroe Islands. Gee, this is a really, really tough group. Um, I think it will end. I, th- I think Poland will. No, no, I think Czech Republic will jump Albania and it'll be our Czech Republic 1, Albania 2. That's what I think will happen. Group F. Um, yeah, Group F. Where are we? Group F. Belgium, Austria, Sweden, Estonia, Azerbaijan. Sweden, disappointing result against Austria um, last time, as in, in the last last time out in terms of the last qualification block. They versus Austria at home on Wednesday. Sweden beat Austria at home. I think that they'll, they'll ju- jump them and hold their position. And it'll be uh, Belgium and Sweden. If not, it'll be Belgium and Austria, I think. Group G, Hungary, Serbia, Montenegro, Bulgaria, Lithuania. I think Serbia will jump. Oh, no, Hungary have a game in hand. I'll go Hungary, Serbia, 1-2. And then the rest fill out. Group H, Slovenia, Denmark, Finland, Kazakhstan, Northern Ireland, San Marino. I think Denmark will jump Slovenia. <coughs> um, have they played already? Um, they have and they drew, but it was at Slovenia. So I think Denmark will win at home in that reverse fixture and jump, um, and jump Slovenia and finish one, and Slovenia can finish second. Group I: Switzerland, Romania, Israel, Belarus, Kosovo, Andorra. I think it will remain the same. Switzerland one, Romania two, and then Group J: Portugal, Slovakia, Luxembourg, Bosnia, Iceland, Liechtenstein, Poland. Uh, Portugal finished top. And it will be Luxembourg are performing. <laughs> Luxembourg are performing. I'll go Bos- uh, Portugal and Slovakia. One, two. That's what I will go with. So, yeah, that is who I've got qualifying for. Uh, they've all got qualifying for the Euros. And of course, teams who win the Nations League and teams who finish third can qualify in qualification groups and whatever. But um, I guess we'll have to wait till that 
wait and see when that comes and goes. The final qualification kind of, the final qualification um, block is the 22nd of November. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see what permutations come out from there. Greece are playing on the final day, which is great. Um, so I really hope they can get get the job done. I just really want to, because I, I, the plan is, from a personal perspective, to be in Germany next year for the for the Euros, um, to be in Germany next year for the Euros, and I really want to kind of go and support a team rather than going to Portugal versus Portugal versus Slovenia, um, and not really supporting anyone. Whereas if I can go to a Greece game, I'll be behind behind the boys, which is great. So yeah, there's that. Um, yeah, so we're hitting on to the 36-minute mark of this podcast. Um, should I... No, you know what? So that thing that I'm going to say, I'll, I'll mention it. I won't speak about it, but I'll mention it. And hopefully, if it gets finalized by the time next week's episode happens, I can speak about it fully next week's episode. But Ray Gat um, on Twitter, journo or former journo at least, he has sources, I should say. Um, controversial figure, but has sources. Uh, said that Danny Townsend, APL CEO, director, big boss, prick, whatever you want to call him, um, has moved to the Middle East and taken up a big money role in the Middle East. Um, that obviously has massive ramifications on the A-League and will be a big talking point. I was going to speak about it once as I remembered it throughout this podcast, but uh, I will, I will just leave it. I will just leave it and I'll... Um, I'll wait till it finally, if, because he, he's pretty adamant, I think if you just go on his Twitter and search up Danny Townsend, he's pretty adamant that he's gone, so um, I'll just wait to see if that actually comes to fruition, and if it does, I'll speak about it at length, hopefully next week, hopefully it gets done, if not in the coming weeks, but yeah, let's finish things up on a down note, and speak on Anthony, unfortunately, um, where, so... Oh, fuck's sake. I really... Uh, yeah, another one. Just... Uh, Jesus Christ. So, Anthony has been charged or has been accused or a lot of reports and a lot of and a lot of people have come forward in saying that Anthony's been very... Uh, a lot of SA and domestic abuse and all this very horrible and shit, just shit stuff and shit things. And also, in the light of what's happened with Marcus Green, with Marcus Greenwood, Mason Greenwood, it's just so, so disappointing. I don't actually know the exact timeline. I don't, I haven't really, not too clued up on the exact specifics of it. But Anthony's gone on Brazilian TV and has defended himself quite passionately. Um, it's now Anthony has taken time away from the club, or or the club has removed Anthony from any first team matters until this whole thing has been until this whole thing will get sorted. Um, it's, yeah, like, Jesus, I'll see if I can bring up a statement. Um, let's see if I can bring up a statement that um shows all that kind of, yeah. Manchester United winger will not return to, Manchester United winger Anthony will not return to England until further notice as he continues to address allegations of assault, which he denies. Goodness gracious me. Anthony is currently under investigation by Brazilian authorities and Greater Manchester Police after his former partner, Gabriel Cavalin, Cavalin, alleged he assaulted her on, on a separate on assaulted her on separate occasions between June 2022 and May this year. Two further women have made two further women made accusations against him in Brazilian in the Brazilian media on Thursday. 
boy, oh boy. Um, that's coming out. That's come from an athletic article written by, as it loads here, as I go into the app. So yeah, this is this is it's hap- It's not rumors. It's not bullshit. It's 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 an it's properly a thing. Um, Adam Crafton and Laurie Whitewell or Whitwell. Um, you mentioned not a matter statement. The whole nine yards. Uh, the 23-year-old labelled Cavalin's allegations false in an initial statement on social media. But on Friday, he gave an extended interview to Brazilian TV channel SBT, in which he strongly denied assaulting any woman, saying, "I will never, ha- I never have, and never will." <sighs> Anthony will take a period of absence in which the club and players said was a mutual decision. Ah. Uh, uh... Obviously, United have come out and condemned all allegations and all actions, obviously. Once again, I'll speak about this further if anything develops. Um, hopefully, it's resolved quickly, or hopefully it's resolved in due, in due time, and hopefully it's given us due, due diligence um, and it's taken seriously as it should. Hopefully, it's resolved in a manner that is respectful to all parties involved, obviously. But it's just another fucking awful, like, just awful Awful, awful. I mean, there's no, there's no proof released to the public. I say proof because if we, this is really horrible. Um, obviously with the Mason Greenwood case, we all saw the photos and the videos and the voice notes and all that good stuff. So, um, we obviously have all been able to make a pretty well informed decision based on what we know. We don't really know anything about this Anthony case. So I guess I guess it's just have to wait and see. Just a terrible situation, awful. I can't believe it's happening again. For like Manchester United, have been in a fucking shit storm. Obviously, they aren't the victim. Obviously, the victims, the potential victims, are the ones that need the most care and being looked after. Obviously, um, it's just horrible, just shit. And yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go. Like, I don't know what to say because I don't know. You know, no one knows exactly what's happening. So. I'm not going to sit here and say and spout any opinions without knowing the facts. And no one really knows facts except those involved. So I guess you just have to shit or wait and see at this stage, which is a bit fucked. But yeah, that's all for today's episode. Sorry for ending on a downer note. Let's just give a quick preview of the games. Um, obviously, international break ends. We're back. Obviously, Australia Cup. Melbourne Knights versus Heidelberg, so get down to that if you're in Melbourne. Northeast, Northeastern Metro Stars versus Melbourne City. So if you were based in northeastern metro stars are adelaide so if you are from adelaide get to add to that and support your local and do all that good stuff please um yeah and obviously the premier league is back wolves versus liverpool kicks things off on a saturday night for australia time chelsea versus bournemouth away from home so can't wait to lose to them in very unceremonious fashion and then everton versus arsenal 130 at um at goodson park which will just be so, so funny um, if Arsenal lose and Everton get their first, what, points of the season? No, first win. Luton and Burnley are going to turn with no points. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But yes, that is all for this episode. Thank you very much. Yeah, that is all for this episode. Thank you very much for sticking around. If you have, it means the it means the world if you have. Um, yes, yeah, stuck around. It does mean a lot. Make sure you subscribe to the Super Attack Podcast, like the podcast, um, notification bell so don't miss out on any clips. Um... Yeah, notification bell so don't miss out on any clips. What else am I going to say? Socials, Two Foot Attacker Podcast, and yeah, Two Foot Attacker Podcast on TikTok and Instagram and 
Twitter, link tree link in both the bios of Twitter and Instagram for you two for attack podcasting needs, all your other platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor and Spotify. See you guys next week with Premier League and European football returning, which is great. Hopefully we can have some more talking points next week. But yeah, thank you all for watching. See you guys next week. Goodbye.